0: Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the to Tehillah community podcast. My name is Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer yet again. Hey, Pastor Nick. Oh, it's uh, definitely good afternoon. It, it is now good afternoon. That is right. That is right. So, today's video is going to be a little bit different than our normal ones, normally our podcasts are on a specific set of scriptures, whether it be the Torah portions or uh, this year we've been doing the book of Matthew, but today we're starting a two-part series on should Christians celebrate Hanukkah, right? And we're going to work that out by going through what is Hanukkah through the historical significance of Hanukkah, which will be today, and then next week will be the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. And so it'll be good, strap in your seatbelts, I think you're gonna enjoy this. Uh, If you are here for the first time, thank you for being here. Go ahead and subscribe to this channel if you're on YouTube or like this page if you are on Facebook, or if you're on one of our podcast platforms, whatever it is that it asks you to do, whether it be review, heart, whatever, please do all that. And then last but not least, share this with your friends, right? You got somebody that has questions about Hanukkah as a Christian, share this with them.
1: Yeah. and Like I said, we love your feedback. Ryan at 2praise.net, T-O-P-R-A-I-S-E dot N-A-T. Ryan at. We would love your feedback. We want to hear your story. That's right. We want to, we want to answer your questions. Exactly so, right. the historical significance of Hanukkah 2022. That's right. So as a congregation, we've been celebrating Hanukkah for some time now. And, uh, and I would just like to say right out of the gate, right out of the gate to prepare you for what you're about ready to hear and see and experience. Hanukkah does not take the place of Christmas. Okay, that's a whole nother world, okay? Yeah. So don't go telling everyone, well, I don't celebrate Christmas, I celebrate Hanukkah. Right. Because it's kind of a misnomer. It's, a, it's a really a misunderstanding. Hanukkah doesn't replace Christmas, what everybody's doing for Christmas, okay? Uh, they just happen to coincide yeah, they just happen at to. the time of yeah. the year. But, but I will say, and we'll, we'll get to it late, maybe later if I can bring it up, Maybe we'll look at the prophetic significance of Hanukkah next week. But this is historical, okay? And so this is going to happen again. So we want to learn from history. What an incredible story. So, so Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication.
0: Mm, so it's actually a Hebrew word.
1: Right. So when you look up the word dedication in your strongest concordance, it's Hanukkah. Hanukkah.
0: Hanukkah. Hanukkah. With a ch.
1: So let's look at this. So the story of Hanukkah took place from around 175 to 163 B.C.
0: in the land of Israel. So it's like a 12-year span where the events we're going to discuss historically happened.
1: Yeah, it's going to be some interesting things. So, you know, it's, it's 175 years before Christ, Yeshua. Mm. So here is the story. If you want to look at your little cliff notes here. A mm. small army of devout Jews known as the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek Syrian rulers, eventually overcoming them. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled.
0: There's that word dedication. In this case, it's a rededication.
1: Absolutely. So, so we're going to be tying everything in together this week and next week. It's really, really important that you that you stay tuned, always, because this is like a fascinating, fascinating study that we, we're doing right now uh, for a limited time only for,
0: for the season for yours for 1995. So once again.
1: <laughs> The, the, the holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. Okay, so that's very important you understand that. Uh, legend says there was only enough pure oil to light the menorah for one night. But through a miracle, the menorah burned for eight days. Since that time, Jews have celebrated Hanukkah by burning lights for eight days. Notice it's a custom, it's a tradition. Legend says... That, that there was only enough oil when they rededicated the temple and the altar and all these things and cleaned it up and got rid of the, 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 the idol, the, the abomination of desolation, the, that um, they went to go light the menorah and they only had enough oil right. for one So there's a day.
0: menorah, a seven-branch menorah in the temple that is lit <laughs> day and night all Correct. the time, right? And when they're rededicating the temple, this commemoration of this holiday, they're saying the legend has it. right that it didn't have enough oil for but for one day right but that day of one oil or that that one day's worth of oil lasted for eight days
1: so so what i want to recommend is this okay let's say you take this out of the story
0: the legend the legend of so you it. take the, the miracle of the miracle of the, miracle of the, of of the, the oil. oil
1: now we we know biblically and and supernaturally god can do it But even if it wasn't true or was made up or whatever, you still have a Hanukkah story. Remember that. You still have to look at the skeleton. You still have to look at all the pieces and figure this out. And so this is
0: not like a commanded feast day from Leviticus 23.
1: No. it's it's Actually, it's a bookend of the feast days or or the the holidays that Jews would celebrate because Purim is the first one. Right. Going into the spring feasts, and then the Purim is, is actually all about a genocide is going to happen. Sure. This is about assimilation, but Hanukkah is the other bookend.
0: So then we'll this story would be more like a July 4th type of a we're, holiday. We're closing it right? out. Right, a, almost, a, a commemoration of God's people rededicating the temple, right. not necessarily commanded by Scripture, right. but a day of fun and fellowship and Yeah, and, and
1: we'll, we'll talk about some of the traditions cool. and stuff. Uh Now, what are the sources for this particular story? You can find the historical account of Hanukkah in Daniel chapter 11, verses 21 through 35, and in the book of Maccabees 1 and 2. Now, the book of Maccabees is a part of the Apocrypha. They were not canonized. They're found in the Catholic Bibles, but excellent resource for you to go and read anyway. Remember that. Get these resources and just check them out. Josephus, the Jewish historian, also gives an account of the Hanukkah story. Cool. I'd like to go into Josephus' view of that. I haven't really read that. So... Hanukkah is celebrated for eight nights and it begins on the 25th day in the Hebrew month of Kislev. This year it's December 18th in the evening all the way through December 25th in the evening. Okay. Historical events before Hanukkah. After Alexander's death, Greece was divided among four of his generals. Daniel eight twenty-two, And this took place around 323 B.C.
0: Is this Alexander the Great?
1: Alexander the Great. Okay. Remember we have the... Uh, the Babylonian Empire, which was the head of gold. We have the chest and arms of silver, which, of course, represent uh, Persians. the Medes and the Persians, the Persian Empire, the Persian rugs. And then, of course, you have uh, the Greeks, which is the belly and thighs of brass. And that's the stuffed grape leaves. Okay. And so Alexander's four generals, uh, Lysimachus, he took Thrace and Bithynia.
0: Lysimachus.
1: Lysimachus. I'm sorry. Lysimachus. Go. Yeah.
0: I Don't needed. you speak Greek?
1: Ah, uh, no, no. <laughs> Cassander he took Macedonia. Ptolemy the first Soter, he took Egypt. Uh, Seleucus one Nicator, he took Syria, and this is where you're going to develop the Seleucid dynasty from Syria. You know, isn't this mm. interesting? Like th- that's where Damascus is. You know, that's where they've had civil war for how many years now.
0: So, is this the Assyrians? Would we consider no, this I don't think so. Assyrians?
1: No, no, no? That's, no, I think they're from Aram. But anyway, uh, uh-huh. here's a great question. Why? And, and you can answer it. I'm going to ask the question, and you're going to answer it. Okay. It's time for you to share. Yes, sir. So I can drink coffee. Why did Israel have to suffer after Alexander's death? So Go.
0: It's a game of monkey in the middle, <laughs> you know. Uh, so the country of Israel is located uh, between the country of Syria to the north— in the country of Egypt to the south. And so the kings of the north and south were constantly fighting each other, and Israel was always a victim of these wars because they were literally caught in the middle geographically. So because of their location and the battles between the north and the south, they were stuck there as victims. Interesting.
1: You know, very, it is very interesting. interesting. You know, um, if you look to the south of e- in Egypt, I mean, there's 120 million people down there. Today. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Now, I don't know how many is up in Syria, but you've got Lebanon and Less everything. Less than
0: there was, unfortunately.
1: <clears throat> so let's develop the storyline now. Now, the evil leader in the Hanukkah story. Bum, bum,
0: bum.
1: <laughs> His name was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Yes, the Epiphanes. You know, he believed that he was God in the flesh. We'll talk about that. He was a tyrant, cruel, harsh, and savage. Savage. He was a savage. Well, we have some of those today. We sure do. He believed that he was deity in the flesh. Hmm. In 171 BC, he came to the Seleucid throne in Syria, this guy. So would you say that
0: he had illusions of grandeur? What is it? Illusions of grandeur? You now people think that they're better or bigger than he they are. He was a legend in his own mind. A legend in his own mind. Now,
1: Antiochus Epiphanes and his dealings with Israel can be found in Daniel chapter 11, verses 21 through 35. And I highly recommend that you go and get some good commentary about that. And they break it down really good. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's already been fulfilled. So sure. keep in mind that right. if we go into Daniel eleven thirty-six on. Right. Then the king will do as he pleases. Right. Here comes the Antichrist. Yep, yep,
0: yep. Uh... Do you Me want like, to read? You can go ahead and so read. So I'll
1: read the verses. And I'll do the notes. And you do the That's notes. That's what we talked about. We did. We did. All right, here we go.
0: All right, so it says in, here in Daniel chapter 11, verse 21, we're going to take it you know, a few verses at a time, maybe a verse at a time. That's and true. It says, and in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries.
1: Oh, wow. That sounds like politics. It does sound like politics. Okay, here we go. Here are my notes. When Seleucus IV Philopater died unexpectedly, remember the Seleucid dynasty here, he left two sons behind. The first son, Demetrius, was being held in Rome as a hostage. His second son, Seleucus, was still a young boy. When their uncle, Antiochus Epiphanes, from 175 to 164 BC, heard this news in Athens, he returned to Antioch. Under the pretext of becoming his nephew's regent, but after his return, he hired a man named Andronicus to kill his young nephew. Mm. Then he put Andronicus to death on a charge of treason, and he himself took the throne. I know, with family, you got the Seleucid Empire here. Who needs enemies? The Seleucid dynasty. Yeah. See how what's happening here. So Seleucus the fourth Philopater died. He had two sons. They were going to succeed him. But Seleucus the Fourth Philopater had a brother, mm. so he knocks out the nephews. Boom! Now he he's the, the king. He's he's in a position for That's that right. for that particular dynasty. Correct.
0: All right. So Daniel eleven twenty two, and with the arms of a flood shall they be overthrown, overflown from before him, and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. Ooh. Now the high priest of
1: Israel was deposed of by Antiochus um, and Jason, his brother, uh, was put in his place because he offered him a great sum of money. So the high priest of Israel was deposed by Antiochus and Jason, his brother. Okay. So, okay. so so his brother was put in his place because he offered him a great sum of money. Second Maccabees chapter four, verses four through ten. Uh, the agreement between Antiochus and Jason, the new high priest, was broken. The high priest position was given to Menelaus, his younger brother, who gave more money to Antiochus than Jason did.
0: Mm, so both Jason and Menelaus were corrupt.
1: Yeah, I mean.
0: Because they're both given money right. for, for the, the position, right? Kind of. Yeah, is, I mean, that's what, what it is.
1: is. So basically, uh, it was given to Menelaus, the younger brother. Correct. Because he had money. Once again, sibling Mm -hmm. rivalry. That's right. All
0: right, so here we go. Sibling rivalry. More sibling rivalry. Oh, can we just get away from this? Tell me about it. Oh, my God. All right, so uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. It says, And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully. This is what, Menelaus and Antiochus, right? So, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. No, that's Antiochus. Right, Antiochus. That's what he's doing, yeah. yeah. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time."
1: Wow, so let's break this down. So Antiochus was able to take the throne with a limited amount of people because there was division among the people. That's right. Sounds familiar. You know.
0: We're going to start seeing a lot of stuff that feels you know, eerily similar to today.
1: Very interesting. Antiochus divided the spoils of war among his friends and his subjects. Wow. I'm on page 3.
0: You are on page 3. It's quick, right? I'm
1: telling you what. I told you you, you got to start reading again.
0: I will. You got some verses? I will. I got 25 through 27 here of chapter 11 in Daniel. So we're still in Daniel. Uh, we're going through the story of Antiochus, but just so happens that these things written in Daniel were written 150 years before Antiochus came. So I want to make sure everybody
1: understands. Some people try to say the book of Daniel was written after the fact, but yeah, that's not. No. no it's prophecy. It's a no. Skeleton. Daniel is a
0: skeleton of prophecy. That's right. And once you understand Daniel, then you can put the meat. On the bones. Ah, roger that. Okay, so verses 25 through 27. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall forecast devices against him. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these, both of these kings' hearts shall do, uh, shall be to do mischief. And they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at a time appointed. Well, you see some manipulation going on there? Oh, yeah. There's or some wheeling and dealing. Jockeying.
1: Manipulation. Now, Antiochus attacked Egypt, conquering all but Alexandria and capturing King Ptolemy. To avoid alarming Rome, Antiochus allowed Ptolemy VI to continue ruling as a puppet king. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I think they, they got some puppet figures in Ukraine. Right. Russia, like, goes into a territory, puts in their Russian mayor and f- the, the the puppet, whatever, a puppet mayor, sure. whatever.
0: So Rome didn't actually, want actually.
1: The Germans did that in France. Yeah. They put in puppet leaders. They did. That they controlled. Yeah, of course. World War II Germany and France,
0: to France. So, so I mean, obviously, Ptolemy I Soter was king of Egypt, right? Right. And he, Rome is looking at this. You know, trying. To, he says he's not trying to stir up the pot with Rome. Because you got
1: the Roman Empire starting out again.
0: Well, well and the Romans were right. uh, were in charge of both provinces. Well, yeah, we'll see. Upon Antiochus' withdrawal, the
1: city of Alexandria chose a new king, one of Ptolemy brothers, also named Ptolemy the Eighth, Instead of fighting a civil war, the Ptolemy brothers agreed to rule Egypt jointly. Well, hmm. they settled their differences. Yep.
0: They sure did. So, they agreed to rule Egypt jointly. Now we move on to Daniel eleven, twenty-eight. It says, Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant, and he shall do exploits and return to his own land. Wow.
1: So while Antiochus was busy in Egypt, a rumor spread that he had been killed. Fake news. ruh Fake news. Jason, the deposed high priest gathered a force of 1,000 soldiers and made a surprise attack on the city of Jerusalem. Menelaus was forced to flee Jerusalem during a riot. On the king's return from Egypt in 167 BC, enraged by his defeat, he attacked Jerusalem and restored Menelaus after executing many Jews. Second Maccabees chapter
0: 5, verses 11-14. through 14. Right, Remember, Jason and Menelaus are brothers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this Jason is, is attacking the city of Jerusalem to take over the high priest's... Hood ship, Have you right? ever
1: noticed, like when there's a great move of God, there's always corruption before. It's yeah. really dark. Like I was just thinking about Eli, the being the priest, and his sons were doing wickedly. Yeah, they weren't giving the Lord his sacrifices. They were like eating it before the Lord before it was prepared, and they were jockeying and they were laying with the women in the, in the tabernacle and uh, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, not good. Like, no, it's not good. And so then look what happened. Then Samuel has to come and clean house a little bit yeah. and replace the house of Eli. It's the same thing when you go back and look at uh, before the Babylonians took Jerusalem in 586 B.C. and and pummeled the city and burned it down and destroyed the temple. You know, they had the the crooked priesthood and the king, you know, wouldn't pay tribute. And, you know, the Lord told the king, you pay the tribute. Right. Because they are your masters. Mm -hmm. But he decided not to. The prophet told him to pay the tribute. But the king got an attitude, says, no, I'm not paying it. I'm not going through this. Yeah. Yes, you are. Then his eyes got plucked out. The king, remember, taken to the land?
0: Well, his sons were killed in front of him, and then his eyes were plucked out. Yeah. um, So verses 29 and 30, I'm going to read through these. It says, uh, at the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Interesting that there's a former and a latter. Right. So uh, (coughs) verse 30, for the ships of Sheatim, which is also uh, Cyprus, shall come against him, Therefore, he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant.
1: Wow. So here we go. Antiochus led a second attack on Egypt, but before reaching Alexandria, his path was blocked by a single old Roman ambassador named Gaius Popilius Laenus. Oh, yeah. Really? That's his name. Yeah. Gaius Popilius Laenus. Boy, that's a dignitary. It is. He delivered a message for the Roman Senate directing Antiochus to withdraw his armies from Egypt and Cyprus or consider themselves in a state of war with the Roman Republic. Ouch. Antiochus said he would discuss it with his council. I'll get with you in my board meeting.
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah,
1: Whereupon the Roman (laughs) envoy drew a line in the sand around him and said, before you cross this circle, I want to give you—I want you to give me a reply for the Roman Senate, implying that Rome would declare war if the king stepped out of the circle without committing to leave Egypt immediately. Weighing his options, Antiochus decided to withdraw. Mm. So I'm going to turn it over to you now because we have to discuss this culture and this well, time yeah, let's, period. let's talk about some current. One hundred seventy-five years before Yeshua
0: like the status of the culture at the time, I think is very important because you know, the, as we mentioned, this whole thing is about assimilation versus right. the Purim story, which is about genocide. Right. Right. And so in one group, you have this understanding that the enemy is easy to point out. How are they right. easy to point out? Cause they're trying to kill you right. physically uh, and overtly. And they're public about it versus the assimilation crew, which wants to slowly kill you off by stealing your children and corrupting them, right? And it seems like it's no big deal because it's subtle. Again, both of those things are happening today, but let's just keep going. That's true. So what was the desire of Antiochus? He was anxious to unite his kingdom of many languages, cultures, and religions. Sounds familiar. There's been several goes at at trying to do that uh, over the years. Uh, He desired to Hellenize or impose Greek language, thought, and religion upon his subjects in an effort to unify his rule through assimilation. So he's bringing what he perceives to be a more civilized, more uh, enlightened way of thinking and being to the people.
1: So what comes to mind as we look at a Greek mindset versus a Hebrew mindset? Right. So what is the Greek mindset but what? What's linear? The holiness of beauty ah uh, the hebrew mindset is the what the beauty of holiness ah uh, the greek mindset is let's take a brick out of the wall and let's analyze it yeah. the hebrew mindset is what's the big picture sure that's the hebrew mindset uh, so there's a mindset going on here yeah, like that, a battle. that we need to look at right so just remember that the hebrew mindset is the, the holiness of beauty the Hebrew mindset is uh, the
0: the beauty of holiness. Roger that. So there's two factions that are uh, fighting here internally within Israel of the Jewish people, and w- this is the reason why Antiochus was so successful at his campaign was because there was already a you know dispute from the left and the right. So so this is uh, the two factions. The two factions. Was it correct. was it Likud and Lepid? Well, it's Likud and blue and white or Likud and whatever. I thought Lapide was like the,
1: one of the biggest ones.
0: No, no, Lapide Yair
1: Lapide. Oh, Yair Lapide is a person. Is a person. Lapide's not a party. I apologize. You're
0: all right. I am so sorry. So I can't remember what is what the his, name of his party. I don't. I don't think it's Blue and White because that's Benny Gantz. I'm trying to remember what Lapide's party's name is.
1: Wow, it's really famous too, and good, isn't it? Just slips off your
0: tongue. It does. Yeah, I guess. Well, he's an actor. The Lapide party. He's a he's a shows you what I know. Personality. <laughs> well, Lakoud is the one that won, and Lakoud is the one we like, anyways gotcha L- Likud and the, uh, the religious right you know um, anyways I apologize so the two factions just like today in Israel are the religious and the secular the religious desired rule by the Ptolemies in Egypt since that dynasty did not seek to Hellenize its subjects so they're like they let us live the way we want to live and so we want to be you know cohorts with them the Ptolemies right so they honored the covenant of Yahweh this is the religious right and were committed to preserving the pure worship of the God of Israel that's right now, this is the religious people, right? Not necessarily the family of Jason and Menelaus, the high priests of the time. Right. Because those people were selling yeah, it to was, the highest bidder. There was bitter, stuff going on. Right. Now, the secular group was not religious, uh, and they were not connected with a church, which is the Webster's Dictionary That's what secular definition. means. People think secular is bad. No, it's just religious Oh, that's non-religious.
1: secular. That's secular. Like, row, row, row your boat, gently down the stream.
0: Row, oh, yeah. I thought we were going to do No, that but when I was, you are going around? <laughs> so, that's a secular song, Yeah, Nick.
1: How could you sing that? But if you sing, Michael rode the boat ashore, hallelujah, now it's religious. Yeah.
0: okay. I see what you did there.
1: Because Michael rode the boat.
0: I prefer ashore. the religious. I do, too. Yeah. I'm just saying. So the Progressive Hellenist Party was the secular group in Israel, and they included many of the aristocracy who had little concern for the faith of their fathers. So this is a group that is pulling away from the faith, saying, "Hey, that's backwards. That's old school. That's the that's the past. We need to go to the future. We need to focus on the future." You know, isn't is isn't,
1: isn't there a progressive party in the Democrats? It's uh, we actually call it the
0: regressive party. No, but what is it? What do they call no, themselves? No, they call themselves progressive. Yeah, and Which, they're the ones put up a fight. Those are the ones that can't figure out what's a boy and what's a girl. Okay. Progressives. They're so progressive. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It's sad. So the Hellenists saw only the economic and social advantages of appearing enlightened, civilized, and accepted by the advanced nations throughout the world, which embraced Hellenism. You see this? Yeah. They equated Hellenism with progress. But little did they know. And so they desired Syrian rule along with its imposed Greek culture. You don't get the Syrian rule without the Greek culture. And the group willingly forsook the Holy Covenant. And so this Greek word, which means forsook, uh, or which is translated as forsook, also means to apostatize or abandon. Yeah, apostatize. Apostatize. Yeah, I thought it was apostatize, but
1: it's apostatize or abandon the Holy Covenant. What's the Holy Covenant? The Mosaic. The
0: Torah. That's right. The Holy Covenant. It's the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the covenant of the hearts of the people to God, for him to be their God and for the people to be his people. That's the covenant. And what is the constitution of the covenant but the Torah? Ten Commandments. All right. Hellenism uh, was far more than just Greek philosophy and ordered society because it was built upon the Greek religion. It defied... It deified it nature. It deified nature. Yeah, worship nature. Created a pantheon of mythological gods, promoted widespread immorality in the worship of those gods. I mean, think about it, Ryan, at this point.
1: <laughs> as I'll share these notes, but, you know, Greek mythology has made a great comeback. Oh, man. Thor and... Well, that's Celtic, but yeah. Perseus, you know. I mean, all these things, you know. Uh, Zeus you know it's 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 made a comeback you know sure Uh, I can't recommend it enough Jonathan Kahn's book
0: paganism of all forms they're all the same gods just different cultural Um, names
1: you know the return of the gods you know and that's what we're going to be tying into our Hanukkah story (laughs) what I find Um, interesting and
0: I parallel with today is that this Hellenization is not just a secular enlightenment and a good way to do things. Because I think within the, the body of Christ, we can look out into the world, uh, especially where there's freedom of religion and people have different thought processes, and we want to be respected. So we have to then have tolerance and respect for others, right? But what we don't realize is, especially, look, even look at science today. Science has become a religion because it's not really science anymore, right? They have some thing that they want to push on you, and they're saying, oh, follow the science. No, follow whatever political wind. You know, the Bible says, the, what, what the earth side. hangeth on nothing. Yeah. How do you come up with that? That's science. Yeah.
1: Imagine that. The earth hangeth on nothing. <laughs> that blows my
0: mind. Yeah. How come
1: it doesn't fall?
0: Yeah. It's interesting how the Bible was right for thousands of years, and then science catches up, well, but now the Bible's backwards. Science
1: is in the Bible. It's crazy. You know, it, it is interesting. So here, here's a note. This is very interesting because this is so relevant for today. Traditionally, as expressed in the first and second book of Maccabees, The Maccabean Revolt was painted as a national resistance to a foreign political and cultural oppression. In modern times, however, scholars have argued that the king was instead intervening in a civil war between the traditional Jews in the country and the Hellenized Jews in Jerusalem, according to Joseph P. Schultz. Modern scholarship, on the other hand, considers the Maccabean Revolt less as an uprising against foreign oppression than is a civil war between the Orthodox and Reformist parties and the Jewish camp.
0: I, I think that's interesting. So
1: so let me just paint Why the picture. Why they were ripe for the slaughter. Let me paint the picture pick the picture for you. Yep. Bob Ross, right?
0: <laughs> what does he say? What's he saying? I don't know. I don't know.
1: So you have a, a, a group of people, the secular Jews. Yep. And then you have the religious Jews. So there's you know, some differences there. A lot of differences. So what happened was Antiochus came alongside the secular Jews and sided with them. And that's why you have what you have and that's why they were able to get away with that. But the religious Jews rose up and like, they're like saying, not on my watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm going to turn it over to you. To do some verses here? I'm going to do the verses. Oh. We got to mix it up here. I don't want to be a, Hog, good hogging all that up, Nick. You hogging up the teacher. Ryan doesn't never get to speak. I think you're doing just fine. Good, because I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel eleven thirty one. Yep. An arm yep. shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now, notice that's Daniel 11.31. Right. He's saying there's going to be an abomination of desolation. Now, we know we hear about this in the future, but this is this is particularly for, you know, this time. Uh, of course, the abomination of desolation refers to a statue of the Greek god Zeus that was placed in the temple by Antiochus IV Epiphanes.
0: And, of course, the, it has... Antiochus' face on it,
1: supposedly. But yeah, it was an abomination. Whatever it was, it Either should have been. Way, to, yeah. It was an image.
0: That's right. So Antiochus prohibited the following things. He prohibited. Correct. He didn't prohi- allow. Prohibited. That's what prohibited means. He prohibited the following prohibited. things. Prohibited. Clean sacrifices on the altar. But you could do swine. Honoring the Sabbath.
1: Prohibited, huh?
0: Keeping the feasts. You couldn't keep the feasts. Circumcision of
1: all the males. Was it a decree? Yes. Like a Chinese lockdown. Basically.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you don't relate to today. We want to you, publicly stand against the Chinese Communist Party. You have to Party. wear a mask? That's different. Oh. The Chinese Communist Party's insane for many reasons. Not the least of which is the Chinese Communists. And last but not least, he prohibited the Torah and the study thereof. Man. No Torah for you. But there had to be an alternative. But what do you get to do, Ryan? You get idolatry. Oh, yes. Sacrificing oh,
1: love idolatry.
0: of unclean animals. Ooh. That means you could bring in pigs, squirrels, rabbits. I'm sick <laughs> rabbits, too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I had a guy in my yard the other day talking to me about, because um, I was talking about raising animals and you know chickens and goats and sheep I'm and sure. all this stuff. And then he's like... You ever raise rabbits? You know, and just asking about all this stuff, and then he's pigs, and I mean, he's just going through like the list of stuff that I'm just like, no, no, no. no." Sheep, goat, yeah. Donkey. Never never did the rabbits or the pigs. Cows. You had cows, right? I had, yeah, I had a couple cows. I sold them. I didn't eat them. You know, they they lived to fight another day. Lived to moo another day. You know, (laughs) praise God. I like
1: to move it, move
0: it. That's right. And so, last but not least, he did not prohibit assimilation. His whole goal was to make it difficult to be a traditional Jew, right? Following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and make it easy to do things the Greek way. Right? So what is the world doing today? What is it, the public culture, right? Popular culture and the government of the United States and the European Union and the world economic forum and the UN, what are they all trying to do? They're trying to make it difficult to be a Christian, to be a Jew, right? To be a Bible believer, Following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and make it easy to be a pedophile, to be a heathen, to be all these things, the drag queen, a transvestite, whatever, whatever, whatever. everything. So,
1: yeah, and, and, and just a little plug here you know, if you're wondering why all this is happening, you have to read. The Return of the Gods, Jonathan Hahn. Yeah,
0: nice listen to book. his
1: interview. Go on YouTube. Just check it out. Why is all this crazy stuff happening? I watched the thing it's, about it's, him it's, last it's, night. It's,
0: it's it's Babylon. It's a YouTube video called The Harbinger Harbinger of Children. It's not good, man. I mean, he goes through basically stuff in his book that is geared towards children and how this we're seeing all these things that are popping up that are anyway they're just bad for children, you know. And it's like you, h- how have to draw are we the line? not right? You got to draw the line somewhere. <coughs> you, know? you have to draw the line. Got to draw the
1: lines. So though. it's my turn to read.
0: All right, please do. This is these are my favorite. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. So you go ahead and read it. Those? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll tell you. you'll you'll learn why. Don't you worry.
1: Oh well, see I, that's why I'm reading the verses. Yeah. So we do have a few verses left. Um,
0: the secret to success in life is in these verses.
1: Daniel eleven thirty two and thirty three. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. Verses 34 and 35. Now when they shall fall, they shall be hoping with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. All right. We don't really have the commentary on that, but, you know. It's okay. It is it is all about the Maccabees. It is. When you look at what happened here. Sure.
0: It is. Maybe you should add some more. They, they some sacrificed
1: more themselves. There. I mean, the, right. the Maccabees, the the boys, they, they all died in battle. Yep. They gave of themselves for the for the restoration, rededication. I mean, how can we not fight
0: for rededication? It's easy to just go with the flow because you don't want to upset the apple cart, right? You've got your business or you have your your own personal uh, interest at mind. You're not looking at the bigger picture. It's easy. And that's why it says here, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. When you're against the covenant or you're not really for the covenant, guess what? You're able to be corrupted by flatteries. You can't see it coming. So it sideswipes you. Corrupted by flatteries. Now, interesting. the next part of that verse, though, is the secret to success in life. It says here, but the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And the New King James says, and shall do great exploits. You want to be successful? You want to do great exploits? Right? You want to be strong? What do you got to do? You got to know your God. Know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have it's a almost like a, n- a near
1: fulfillment and a far fulfillment.
0: Because the way this verse
1: reads, even to th- to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. That's right. Like this is going to happen again. It will. Somebody's going to rise up. Somebody's going to stand up. And
0: Yeshua even says, "Oh, by the way, it'll happen again." You know. So this is like a a oh, cycle. Know. Oh, next week's going to be a real. And treat. here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if. Maybe this cycle has happened several times, this, this Hanukkah archetypal story, you know, based on Daniel chapter 11. I wonder if this has happened several times because the generation somehow blows it in the end. They don't merit the return of the Messiah, you know. So I'm just hoping that this time around we're going to get it because it's, we're definitely seeing the signs. We're just waiting for this guy you know, to
1: step up. When you, when you think about it, and some of them of understanding shall fall, Yep. Okay. meaning they died for what they believed in. To yeah. try them, yeah. and to purge, and right. to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time of point. So
0: get other people to see what you're doing and what's happening. Who's going to join? Right, right, right. Well, and, and, and some of them of understanding shall fall. It's unfortunate that they fall by the sword, because it's like, you, know, you have these people that are standing up, and that are teaching the people and, and helping them stand up for themselves, but then, you know, they get cut well, down. Listen,
1: what a contrast. I mean, just think about it, Ryan and I'm not trying to be mean or anything. Yeah. Just think about it, okay. The Hebrews for the Christian faith movement is not, I don't think it's a move, I think it's the move of God. Sure. But think about all the things that we get to do and it even forms like a protective mechanism for us. Like let's say that as a Christian we want to celebrate the Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday. Don't you think that's gonna help your family and your walk and your community? Absolutely. If you honor that day and then you come and you worship on Saturday, Uh huh. okay. Don't you think that by celebrating the feast days and you find Jesus in the feast and you're 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 celebrating what He did in the spring, the spring feast, the 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 Lamb, the unleavened bread, the first fruits, the resurrection, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Torah, and all that stuff, we we rehearse that, and we thank God for that, and then we look forward to the fall feast and what He's going to do. Don't you think that preserves you, keeps you on track, yeah, keeps you focused, you know what I mean, yeah. Just like the daily bread reading, you know, the way it's set up. There's many daily devotionals, many, many chronological Bibles and reading through the Bible in a year. But the one through, of course, Lars and Arson that he has, uh, has the Torah portion. And then, of course, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament readings as well. But think about how powerful it is to be on the same page with the Jewish people every week in the Torah portion. Yeah. You're on the exact same page and we're christians yep. and we can find jesus in in the torah. Yeah. So so see all these things that we benefit from? Absolutely. Because we have a plan and a purpose and it's it's person oriented, it's people oriented, it's it's a person, it's yeah. not a do's and don'ts. Right. You know, like 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 you know, some communities, you have to have a keeper, you have to have a talit, or you can't say the name of Jesus. And, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Yeah, It's just ridiculous. It's like, look at all the things we get to do, and then people can adapt. They can make some changes that they're learning. That's true. So, well, yeah, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. You know, as, as, since 1995, I've been doing the Hebrews of Christian faith. Since 1999, of the fall of 99, I've been doing the Torah portions. And I would say emphatically, it changed my life. No doubt. And I would share that with anybody, and I would help anybody to accomplish that and start to do that.
0: Yep. So, we've just talked about uh, the people that stepped up, right? Well, the heroes of the Hanukkah story. There. Woo! So the the number one main hero, his name is Mattathias. He was the great grandson of Hasmon, hence the Hasmonians, right? Wow! And so he was a decen- uh, Hasmon was a descendant of Jehoiarib, and uh, which was of the first division of priests. Now, and where did he live? He lived in Modiin, which is where Modiin. Yeah, Modiin. Modiin. Yeah, Modiin. Mo- Modiin. Modiin. Yeah. That's where Hanok See, lives. down like, here in the south, we say Modine. Modine. Modine, Modine. No, <laughs> no don't do that. <laughs> so he had don't five sons. His five sons were John, Simon, Judah, Eliezer, and Jonathan. Well,
1: we didn't develop the story, but, I mean, we, we, I'll go ahead and just interject this, then you can take over. Yep. I just want to interject the fact that while in Modine, Mattathias was a priest with his kids, his boys, that there was, uh, you know, Greco-Syrian, you know, People around or whatever, and there was a Jew that was going to offer up a, a, a pig on the altar. Mm. And as he went to do it, as he started to do it, Mattathias thrust through, took out the Jew, and took out the Greco Syrian soldiers that were around,
0: and that began the guerrilla warfare. So it was like a minor skirmish that <coughs> he started. Said, you will not put a, 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 big a pig battle. on an altar.
1: Yeah. And another Jew was going to do it willingly. And he said, "Not on my watch." So Mattathias was a great man. Ago. Think about—we're going to meet Mattathias.
0: See, and this is the problem: he's going to tell us the story where people within our own culture, the other side, the enemy, uses them as useful idiots to say, "Well, see, he's a Jew and he's doing it." Oh, I know. You know, or hey, he's a Christian and he believes in same-sex marriage. It's like, come on, how stu- how stupid do you really have to be for us to actually <laughs> buy into that? You know. <laughs> but they're used as what we—puppets, useful idiots. You know. Yeah. So uh, Judah the Maccabee, which is the third son of Mattathias, uh, took over when Mattathias, his father, died. And so Judah was called the Maccabee, which is believed to come from the Hebrew word mechavet, which means hammer. Hammer time. So he was the hammer. Oh, yeah, he was the hammer. Was bringing down the hammer. So the rededication of the temple. So So now let's just say these guys revolt, right? And here's the best part of the story. They win the battle. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's like cleaning up your life. It is.
1: It's like discovering, you know, the
0: Hebrews or the Christian faith. You're like cleaning up. They win the battle, and there's some work to do before they can rededicate the temple. So the first thing they do is do what? They remove the Zeus idol with the face of Antiochus from the temple. They get it out of there. Get out of here. They clean up the sanctuary, and they rebuilt the holy altar. And on Kislev 25, 165 BC, exactly three years to the day from its defilement, they rededicated the altar of God.
1: And that date is very important for next week's, the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Sure. Just to let you know, a little tidbit here, a little, throw, you, throw you some crumbs, a little nugget. Uh, they, they dedicated the foundation of the temple
0: mm-hmm.
1: on that day, the 25th of Kislev. Yep. It's found in the book of Haggai. Yeah. But as you'll see, why would the enemy put up in the abomination of desolation on the 25th of Kislev? That's right.
0: Because it was the dedication
1: day. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to do the opposite.
0: Which is is cool when you pull the historical significance out. Right. You get an understanding of like, well, what actually is this? Is this some, you know, hocus pocus, uh, you know, other religions holiday? Or is this something that I can find in my Bible? And a better question, did Yeshua, did Jesus himself celebrate Hanukkah? I think he did. Uh, We're going to discuss the deity of Yeshua and Hanukkah. And we're going to get this from uh, John. that's the New Testament. Yeah. chapter 10 verses 22 through. Forty two.
1: So yeah, so basically chapter ten, verses twenty two through forty two is all about Yeshua's deity and Hanukkah and how he did celebrate Hanukkah. He made his presence known, he was there and he was gonna do something. So if you want to share those three verses to show what he had actually wanted to accomplish, because it was defiled so many years ago. That's right. By Antiochus and the defilement and the abomination of desolation. Now Yeshua is gonna set the president's gonna clean house by himself being there. That's right. Making an appearance. So let's lay
0: the groundwork. John chapter 10, verses 22 and 23, it says here, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of, wait for it, dedication. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. And it was? Winter. Wait, Hanukkah's in the winter? Yeah. Oh. So it says, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. He made it a point. So he's
1: at the temple. He's at the right place at the right time. That's right. With the right truth. Oh, look at
0: that. You like that? So... He, we're not going to read all of this. No, no. But suffice it to say it that he establishes himself in his presence there at the temple during the feast of dedication, and he makes one major culminating statement oh. that really angers some. people. And some this was people. the whole reason why he was there. Sure. And what did he say? He said, "I and my father are one." And that's found in chapter uh, ten, verse thirty of of the book of John. Boy, they were livid. <sighs> and so, after some 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 squabble, we get to John chapter ten, verse forty-two, and it says. And many believed on him there. Wow. See, he fixed everything.
1: He did. The false deity in the past. That's right. The abomination of desolation. That's right. And all this is going to happen again. So tell us about some Hanukkah traditions. So,
0: as you can can tell, there is a historical event, the rededication of the temple, which is what Hanukkah is all about, right? And so the question historically is, does that make sense for a Christian to celebrate, right? Right. Should Christians celebrate Hanukkah based on just the historical facts? Sure, why not? So it's kind of like, well, without this battle and the people that stood up and won, and then the rededication of the temple, we wouldn't have the Bible today, right? This all would have gone to the wayside, and you probably wouldn't be a Christian. But guess what? God ordained it. This all had to happen and get cleaned up so Jesus could come back. So that Jesus could come, exactly right. So, so. The traditions that are around commemorating it, can Christians participate in those traditions? I would think so. And so some of those are like this. Lighting. So the Hanukkah is
1: what? It's a nine-branch menorah.
0: It is. So instead Not of being a seven, a seven right.
1: it's nine. And the right. Shamish is the middle. Right. And four and four. Right. One for each night to commemorate the great legend right. of lighting the Hanukkah, But you know they had to refurbish the menorah and everything. Absolutely. So, so by lighting something like this... Even okay. if you just say, well,
0: I don't want to do the Hanukkah, I'll do a menorah. Oh, pff. And light all seven every night. Whatever. Whatever you, Whatever want, to to do. you want to do. That's right. So lighting the Hanukkah at home is a tradition, and also lighting is at church. You can do it with to your doing, family we're, we're, or also- We're going to light up our menorah out here. Oh, yeah.
1: Come on, baby, light my fire. Yeah, we're going to set the night on fire. That's right. We light our big menorah out front, seven branch
0: candle out front. Yeah. Um, and We already mentioned the Hanukkah itself. Spinning the dreidel- Spinning the dreidel. Do you know why we have spinning the dreidel? It's an Irish drinking game, according to some no, YouTube no, channels. No, no. <laughs> Remember, Torah was forbidden. Ah, uh, yes. And so yes, they yes.
1: love to discuss the Torah and to midrash and yeah. to study and to, to scream back and forth at this, you know, yeah. uh, the, the debate the Torah. Get in there, uh, you know, just d- get into the commentary. And so if they got into little groups and they had this little dreidel and they were spinning it, and the soldier comes by, the Greco Syrian yeah, yeah. soldier, Oh, they're playing a game. But yeah. See, that's the way they can have a Torah study.
0: Nezgadol Hayasham. They Hayashan. could talk about the Torah. That's the, the letters on the... That's end. why the
1: spinning of the dreidel is uh, a lot of fun. It is. And you, you can use little marbles, coins, candy. Money. Money. If you're into gambling. And you just spin the little dreidel. It's got four sides, and there's a Hebrew letter on each one. But anyway, it, it, it's right. not going to hurt you. That's right.
0: Also, chocolate
1: guilt. These there's are There's no guilt in gelt sure there is they had special minted <laughs> coins yeah because of the maccabean revolt and the vi- great victory and they had special coins minted up and so now you can have some chocolate gelt but i don't recommend leaving it in your car mm. chocolate covered coins or whatever yeah. it's called coin
0: chocolate coins chocolate so. coins yeah um and last but not least Lakis, Lakkas. And anything fried. Potato pancakes. Donuts. We forgot donuts. Because of the oil. How did you leave donuts We don't have there? to put donuts on there. It's anything yeah. that's fried. We have to put
1: donuts. We have to put donuts. So those are the Hanukkah traditions. You don't have to do them if you don't want to, but we do them. It's a lot of fun. The kids love it. It's really great. That's right. You can create your own Hanukkah. I remember uh, Miss Davis did a cassettes. Oh, yeah. And you put the candles in the cassettes. Yeah. You know, or popsicle sticks or whatever. People would do all kinds So the of barbers
0: stuff. are in from uh, Colorado, and uh, they were mentioning that she went to an archeological dig uh, in, I guess, the historical city of Modine, uh, where Mattathias and his family was from. And they had found a bunch of pottery shards, and they actually made their own little Hanukkah out of the pottery shards. That they got wow. from the archaeological dig. So
1: just keep that in mind. Like I said, it's whatever you're comfortable with, but it's it's a lot of fun. You know what's great about the Jewish people and the Jewish culture, Ryan, is that the, the kids get to touch things, do things. Yeah. Like okay, unleavened bread. You can't have leavened bread. It's unleavened. You know, and you got to eat the matzah, and you got to eat it every day for seven days, and and you engage the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hey, we're gonna build it. You know, we're gonna build a sukkah. You know, and get the palm branches and the and the wood, and see, it's all it's like hands on. You know what I mean? Right. And the kids get to actually do something. They have a memory. You know, that's why when we celebrate Shabbat, we're creating memories. My family used to come around the table for Shabbat. You know, and that's what we're going to tell our kids. You know, they're going to remember it's ingrained in them. That Friday night, you're supposed to be at a table and do Shabbat. And then, you know, whatever from there. Um, And then, of course, Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. And we have to ask ourselves a personal question. What are we dedicated to?
0: Mm, So this is an opportunity every year. As a Christian, to rededicate our lives to the to God's purposes.
1: What are we dedicated to? You know, yeah. it's it's interesting. You know, I uh, I know um, I want to be there for my wife and kids and be dedicated to them. Amen. You know, uh, what are you dedicated to? You know, yeah. I uh, my my two girls. Well, Hadassah did volleyball, and I was dedicated to go and see her game and, yeah. and encourage her. And she smiled. You know, because a lot of parents are working or can't make it. Sure. I got uh, a day and Briella were playing soccer and they get to smile and see me out there waving because I'm dedicated to them. Yeah. Uh, last night I went to Micah's basketball game, you know, and I'm dedicated to supporting them you yeah. know, and, and their little hobbies and interests and stuff. And I don't have to look back and have regrets and say, well, I was dedicated to staying at the church office, or I was reading my Bible, huh. or I was praying more. That's all well and good. It is. Or I, I, I made an appointment, like when I could have been at my son's basketball game,
0: yeah, we have to practice. What are you your dedicated faith, right? to, you yeah.
1: know? So I want to encourage anyone that's listening to think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dedication of our Savior was all the way till the end. He was totally dedicated, if it be possible for this cup to pass from me. Yeah. But not my will be done, but your will be done. And he sure. drank from that cup. He he actually sweat blood out of his corpuscles, you know. Yeah. And he was so stressed. You know, uh and the disciples couldn't stay awake. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But uh, what are we dedicated to? That's right. We, we got to learn to be dedicated to one another. Be dedicated to your friendships. Amen. And if you drop the ball, ask for forgiveness and pick it up and, and run with it. Say, hey, give me another chance, you know. Because friendship is reciprocated. You give and then you get. You get and you give. And that's what we really have lost, I think, in our culture. We've lost the relationships and the friendships that we could have if we didn't, weren't so selfish and self-centered and dedicated to everything else. Think about a little bit of dedication if somebody else can help
0: them and help you. Amen. That's all I have. Amen. So then uh, I think that we should leave the conclusion up to the folks. You know, do they think that Hanukkah is worthy of their commemoration? Right. Right? Good point. It is. And it's a. I think there's a lot of substance behind it historically. And so we're going to leave it. Next week, we're going to study the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. And I think that that is going to be a good one. You don't want to miss it. No. If you liked this one, you're going to like that one even more. Because while this one we're looking at the past with the prophetic one, guess what? We're looking to the future. I
1: just, I can't even believe that people haven't discovered it. But it's time. You know, one of my pastor friends um, was real excited. He learned about Hanukkah uh, from me and he took the notes
0: and he, he taught Hanukkah to his congregation. Praise God. So I'll let you close this up. Praise God. All right. Well, I'm going to pray. Father, we just love you and thank you. We thank you that you sent your son into this world, this dark world, to be the light of the world to us. And so let us look to his light and let us receive that light and then be a light to, to others, God. We love you and we thank you for this honor and privilege. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. amen. All right. You've heard it here. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at ryan at 2 net. Get the conversation going. Let me know. What do you think? Should Christians celebrate uh, Hanukkah or not. Uh, especially if you're like, you know, really, really for it or really, really against it. I want to know what you have to say. It would help me. Uh, and I appreciate it. So bless you guys. Have a great week.